Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Memorial Day weekend here at Freedom Church. We're so glad you've tuned in uh, for this special service. I just want to say uh, you saw the video there, but we are very, very, very grateful and thankful for all those men and women who ultimately paid with their lives to uh, gain our freedom here as a country or preserve or maintain our freedom. So it means a lot. We're very, very thankful and grateful, and we continue to pray for all of the families that have lost loved ones in that way as well. So happy Memorial Day uh, to each of you. We do appreciate and are very grateful for your attendance here today on virtual ministry. This is week 10. Now, if it's hard to believe it's been that many weeks, uh, it's kind of frustrating, honestly. And I don't have any great announcement, but I would guess that we're closer to the end than we are the beginning. How's that? And so we'll get, hopefully, back together here very, very, very soon. And we'll let you know all about that uh, as we get closer to that date. So welcome for those of you on Facebook or YouTube. Maybe you're logged into the church app. Um, By the way, you can download that app. We encourage you to do that. You can find some sermon notes on the app. It's Freedom Church TN, as in Tennessee. Freedom Church TN to get that uh, app downloaded on your phone. Grab the sermon notes. A little uh, trick uh, is to print them or send them to your email, and it'll automatically fill in all the answers for you. It'll be your lucky day. And, and so uh, we encourage you to take some notes, keep them on file, review them every once in a while. And we think that's a healthy thing uh, to do. So welcome for all of you. <clears throat> We're glad you're here. Also, we'd love to have you fill out a connection card uh, and, and let us know you're there. Let us know, for instance, who's with you. Let us know the color of your jammies. I know you're in your pajamas, right? Or if Winnie the Pooh or maybe Bugs Bunny or, or Woodstock or Snoopy's on your pajamas, maybe you can throw that in the comments. Uh, uh, probably not, uh, but uh, we're glad that you're here no matter where you're at, no matter how you're listening. We're excited uh, to be here uh, with you. So, This is the last week in our series called Hang On. The Hang On series began way back on Easter weekend, and as you remember, Pastor started off talking about uh, the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. And we can hang on, we have the ability to hang on knowing that Jesus ultimately uh, showed and displayed his power over death over hell of the grave, a very, very special day, very great, great celebration on Easter. Then we got into other things. We got into hanging on to your family, like hanging on to your marriage, hanging on to your kids. And on Mother's Day, we valued our mothers and encouraged them to hang on because we love them dearly. And what they're doing is very, very, very important. Cody Freeman was here, and he talked about keeping your mind when the world is losing theirs, you know. And so today is the last in that series. I hope, and we hope that it's been a blessing to you. We'd love to have you. If you missed one, go back, review it uh, online, and, uh, and, and get as much as you possibly can as we continue. Now, Next week, we can begin a brand new series. It's a short three-week series. It's called, Who is God? 
And it's a simple series that talks about the Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Pastor uh, T will be back, and he'll be uh, speaking on those items the next three weeks. We're excited about that. So tune in and, and make sure you invite your friends. Make sure you're ready to go uh, with that brand new series next week. We look forward uh, to it. <clears throat> I want to mention our series verse, our hang on series verse is Matthew chapter 5, verse number 3. The Bible says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. What a great verse. In fact, as I was reading and studying and looking at that verse during this series, I thought, boy, that'd be a good verse for all of us to commit to memory. And it's a, it's a ver good verse to review and, and to be reminded of. In fact, uh, we think it's so good, we put it on a t-shirt that t-shirt's available in our merch. In fact, you can go on our website. That's the only place you can get it right now, actually, online. And you can order that t-shirt. It's very, very nice. And you would like it. And uh, you can check all that and, and more merch out there as well uh, on our website. So today, challenge you one more time with hanging on. And specifically, today we're going to talk about hanging on because there's a new day coming. And I want to encourage you with what I believe to be some of the greatest words ever spoken by our Savior, greatest words ever spoken in the Word of God from John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6, and we'll get to that in just a moment. <clears throat> the concept of hanging on is proper, it's healthy, it's good. In fact, years ago, I learned this principle from my youth pastor, and I want to take you way, way, way back in the calendar to 1978 when I was a 10th grader in high school. I had a, uh, the, the, the best student pastor, youth pastor. He was our mentor. He was our teacher. His name was Russ Dean. In fact, God blessed us with an absolutely awesome church that God took our family to just at the right time that we needed it. Pastor Glenn Stockton and Russ Dean and these gentlemen have been faithful in ministry and continue still faithful in ministry. Well, when I was a 10th grader on one of those weekends of youth group, Pastor Russ Dean got up and shared with us that God was calling him to do something different. It was that he would be leaving us and going to the country of Brazil to be a missionary in the uh, area of Sao Paulo, Brazil. And so, long story short, next 30 plus years, he was in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and doing faithful ministry. But that day, that time in 1978 as a 10th grader, was painful because he was the one we looked to for spiritual help and life help. You know, I mentioned he was our youth pastor, but he was our mentor, you know, and, and he was showing us the way. He was setting the example, and we were confused, and we didn't understand. And so he challenged us with a Bible verse that has to do with this concept of hanging on. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. The Bible says, my beloved brothers and sisters, it says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in work of the Lord for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to get uh, to the Corinthian people in the city of Corinth. What he was saying was, is I want you to be strong. I want you to stand firm. I don't want you to allow anything to change your determination. Don't allow anything, don't allow your environment to shape you. Uh, keep serving the Lord. Stay strong. What you're doing counts. You're making a positive difference for the Lord. And it's so important. So hang on. 
And that's the concept I learned many, many years ago, and one that I'm very, very, very thankful for, and one, of course, that we've been challenging you with for the last five weeks, and, and we hope that you're more determined than ever to hang in there, be faithful, complete this race that God has blessed us with. So, today, I'm going to read to you a passage I mentioned to you, some of the greatest words in the Bible, and it comes from the, word, the lips of Jesus in Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, John chapter 14. Verses 1 through 6. Listen closely to what the scripture says. I'm going to give you some background. These are the words of Jesus. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me give you some background, some little context. And I'm going to go just slightly back to chapter 12 of John. Jesus and his disciples are what I would call in the rhythm of ministry. Jesus was preaching, he was teaching, he was healing, he was loving, he was setting the example, he was calling people to faith and preaching the kingdom of God, you know, announcing the kingdom of God. And so uh, there was a time when he had dinner with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. I mean, they were brothers and sisters, and he was a friend of theirs. And this was after Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. And so they were just enjoying one another, and, and so they had this dinner together. And, and after dinner that night and the, the night before, Jesus had planned on going back to Jerusalem, and so he sent a few of the disciples on ahead to prepare the way. The next morning, he and the other disciples traveled back to the city of Jerusalem to prepare for Passover. Well, it's interesting what happened there. As, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, the people in Jerusalem uh, figured out that he was on his way. And so they gathered, as Jesus often did, his presence uh, uh, attracted many, many people. So they gathered around Jesus and they started laying palm branches underneath where his donkey, you know, he was riding on the donkey. And, 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 and so they started shouting things like, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, here's the situation. Put yourself in the feet of the disciples. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, after three and a half years of walking with Jesus, they've got to be thinking to themselves, you know, this is good. This is good. I mean, this is the way that it should be. And, 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 and you know, you're, you're serving the Son. Finally, others are seeing what we see. Well, what happened there, coming now into John chapter 13, uh, Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room. And that feeling, and I would even uh, go as far as saying that little swagger, you know, that they had there uh, for a moment as they were entering Jerusalem was about to be taken away. The dialogue that Jesus had with his disciples in John chapter 3 literally changed their life, changed their world forever. Jesus had told them, in chapter 13, that he would be leaving soon. They didn't understand. They were confused. They didn't like it, obviously. It was, up, it was upsetting. He also shared with them that one of them was going to betray him. 
In fact, we know, of course, it was Judas. They didn't know at the time. They, they didn't even realize when, when Jesus gave him the, the piece of bread and he left. You know, they thought it was maybe for a, a missionary endeavor to, to feed the poor or something. They just didn't get it. But that news wasn't good. They started asking, you know, who is it? Is it me? Uh, certainly, no one would betray you. And, 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 and that piece of news was discouraging, distressing, frustrating, as was the fact that he was leaving. And then a little later on in the chapter, Jesus talks to Peter and says, you know, Peter, unfortunately, I mean, I hear what you're saying and, and we have a good relationship, but you're going to deny that you even know me. In fact, it, you're going to do it three times before the cock crows. And it was devastating to Peter. It was devastating to the entire group of, of disciples. And so everything that Jesus was sharing at this meal was letting them know what was about to come. Things that they thought they knew, things they thought they understood about Jesus and about the movement that they were a part of suddenly changed. And not only changed, but their lives changed forever. In the next 24 hours, there in John 13, going into John chapter 14, those next 24 hours were going to uh, create with them a new normal that would never change. Now, I ask you, does that remind you of anything? You know, this present global crisis we're fighting through is creating a new normal that is changing our lives probably forever. And, and we are battling the same emotions that they did, the disciples in John chapter 13. We're confused. We're, we're frustrated because we thought we understood things. We thought we had a good grip on how life works. Now, we're struggling to figure out truth from fiction, and it's creating anxiety and, and fear and disillusionment and discouragement and, 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 and more. And here's what I want to tell you, friends. Here's what I want to tell you. The things that Jesus tells his disciples here in John chapter 14 that we read are the same things he says to us today. The promises that we're going to look at here were not only for the disciples, they were also for us, for all who have had faith in God through the centuries, including us today. So let's go back to verse one. Jesus tells his disciples, listen, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And what Jesus was saying and suggesting to them was simply this. Jesus was, was coaching up their faith. And that's the first thing, in fact, if you did download those notes, you'll see that's the first thing I really want you to get this morning. Jesus is coaching up their faith. He's coaching up our faith. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I know you believe in God. I know you have faith. And he's saying to them, stay strong. And that's what he's saying to us as well. Stay strong. Make good decisions. Stay engaged. Don't get down. Don't allow the change of circumstances to weaken your faith. Don't allow the winds of change to, to crush and overwhelm your spirit. Hang on. So the first thing Jesus does to help his friends is to coach them up in their faith. So let's keep reading. Verse number two. Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, he says, what I've told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. Now, here's what I think Jesus is doing. He's, he's verse one, he's coaching up their faith. Now, verse two, Jesus rejuvenates our hope, our hope, and he, and, he, and he refocuses our attention. And I want you to watch this very carefully. This is so helpful. 
the thinking patterns of the disciples had gone wrong. You see, their thinking had shifted to the negative. And once they fell into that hole, I mean, it's very difficult to pull back and resolve to not allow circumstances to dictate our attitudes. We've all been there. Jesus calls them to a different paradigm. Jesus calls them to shift their thinking to what is good and pure and right and trustworthy. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, he's also calling them to think beyond the present into the future. Let that sink in for just a moment. Jesus is rejuvenating our hope and he's refocusing our attention. I know that what I just told you is upsetting and disturbing and discouraging. I know it's frustrating. I know it, 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 it kind of takes the air out of the balloon, right? And, 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 and now you're wondering, what in the world? We thought we had a... And, and Jesus introduces them to a new way of thinking. He says, think about my father's house. Consider my father's house. And so as a disciple, you would say, well, your father's house? I mean, is there something that we haven't been considering? Is there something that we haven't thought about or haven't talked about? What about your father's house? What's going on in your father's house? Is there something for us there? You know, tell us about your father's house. And Jesus says, well, my father's house has many rooms. And by the way, I'm talking here about a real place, a tangible place in my father's presence. I'm talking about uh, your future and looking for the future helps us frame the present. And I say to you, friends, hang on. There's a new day coming. And that's what Jesus is doing here with his disciples, with you and I this morning. Hang on. He's rejuvenating our hope. Things are bad. Things are different. Things are odd and, and, and hard to, to figure at the moment. But we're gaining hope because we're, we're considering something uh, we haven't considered as much as we should have and could. The Father's house doesn't take away from the present. It doesn't take away from the challenges we face and the hardship, but enables us to look over top of the present challenges and hardships to a better day, a better time. And by the way, Jesus says, hey, if it wasn't so, I mean, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? In that moment, the disciples we're just like we are today when facing uncomfortable circumstances. They and us, we get tunnel vision and we go blind to the opportunities in our minds and, and our hearts go dark and we forget about everything uh, beyond what we can see in the present. And as I read this and consider the context and, and then I think about our present day, it just seems like Jesus is shouting to us and to them saying, I get it, you know, I, I know it's not easy, I know it's uncomfortable, I know it's overwhelming, but wake up, I mean, it's like a slap in the face or somebody cold, uh, throwing cold water on our face to get out of our funk and refocus us to a greater truth. And the greater truth for us is this, you know, this present COVID-19 challenge can only cripple us if we allow it. And one of the things that will uh, restore hope and resolve is to think and consider the promise of heaven. Now listen, Jesus has ascended back to the Father's house where he's actively preparing for us a place. And beyond present day frustration and discouragement lies a place for us in the presence of God. Beyond age-related seasons of life, 
beyond anything good or bad that you've experienced in your past, present, or future is an eternal home of love and joy and peace and rest in the Father's house. The Apostle Paul says it better than I can. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And that's what Jesus is trying to convince them of in John chapter 14. He says, listen, listen, I know. I know what I, I, I've told you is frustrating and, and discouraging. But I, I, I want to take you from there to over here, this, this new paradigm. I want you to think about the Father's house. This is the challenge I want you to hear this morning, friends. That's what Jesus was calling his followers in John chapter 14. It's what he's calling us to. And, and, and there's something beyond today that's worthy of our thoughts. And so Jesus is speaking hope into their hearts and minds. He's telling them that, 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 that despite current circumstances, there's a new day coming. There's a new day on the horizon. But again, listen, he's not saying, he's not asking them to ignore the reality of what's happening around them. It's very real. It's very, very real, but there's something stronger, better, more important, and just as real that we must focus on. It's not psychobabble. It's clear truth about the tangible future that, ex uh, that exceeds. It really goes beyond and goes above and over top of, and it beats and outdoes anything uh, that we can possibly experience here on earth. I believe Jesus is telling them and us that we need to look beyond our circumstances, deal with the present, make good decisions, uh, hang on to the present, take every opportunity in the present, but know this, there's a new day coming, look beyond this world to the next. And so, with these words in John 14, our loving Lord and Savior is coaching us up in our faith. Our loving Lord and Savior is, is, is rejuvenating our hope. He's redirecting, he's refocusing our attention. There's a couple more things he's doing. And number three in your notes, Jesus makes a promise. In verse number three, he says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Now, I want to talk to you about this place he's preparing. I wanted to give you a little illustration. You've probably seen the movie years and years ago growing up, maybe even uh, Wizard of Oz. I know they play it quite often still. This movie, Wizard of Oz, um, it's like a rite of passage for American youth. The movie made its television debut way back in 1956. Listen to this. Back then in 1956, 45 million people, which was 53% of the viewing audience, tuned in to that first, first play of the, the, the movie, the film. They won all kinds of awards, two Academy Awards, one for best musical score, one for the best song. Remember the song? that Dorothy sang while she was in Kansas. You know that song called Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Just a real quick thing here. Uh, the, the song actually almost didn't make the cut into the movie. The movie uh, creators made a decision to leave it in, and the rest is history. Well, there was a special award given to Judy Garland. She was the teenager who played uh, Dorothy. Well, she sings this song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, way up high. There's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby, somewhere over the rainbow, skies are blue, and the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true. The next lyric says, someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me, where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops, that's where you'll find me. 
<laughs> I mean, have you ever had those type of emotions and thinking about a better place? The look in Dorothy's eyes when she was singing this was pretty cool. Now, Ken Geyer wrote a book called Reflections on the Movies. He made an interesting statement. He says this, something inside of us longs for a faraway place where troubles melt like lemon drops and the dreams that we dare to dream really do come true. But he goes on. Besides experiencing the same longing that Dorothy felt, we have also all felt and experienced the same exclusion that she had in the opening sequence when Auntie M, you may remember, says to her, now, now you just help us out today, Dorothy, and find yourself a place where you won't get into any trouble. And so Dorothy's by herself except for her best friend, right, Toto. She's confiding in her. She's actually talking to Toto, and she says, someplace where there isn't any trouble. Do you suppose there is such a place, Toto? And I ask you, do you suppose that there could be such a place? Well, Jesus says there is. He said there is a place in my Father's house. I want to read to you concerning the Father's house in the book of Revelation. You may have heard this before, chapter 21 of Revelation, the first four verses. The Bible says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with him, with them. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things, he says, are gone forever. Now it sounds like the place that Dorothy was thinking about. It sounds like something that she had going on in her head. The best, honestly, that she could conjure up was that city of Oz, right? But I got to tell you, this city, this heavenly city is way beyond that. Here's, here's just a couple of the things that we know for sure. I mean, we can go a long time on the topic of heaven uh, from the scripture. It tells us uh, a lot. It doesn't tell us everything, but there's a lot there. I, I just want to mention a few things. First of all, in the Father's house, we know that human suffering is overwhelmed by the magnificence of God. From verse 4, as we just read, we know that in the place that Jesus went to prepare, there are, there, there's, there's no pollution, no crime, no violence, no drug traffickers, no sex traffickers, no child molesters, no terrorists, no tears, no sorrow, no regret, no remorse. No broken hearts, no shattered dreams, bitterness gone forever, failure left far behind, anger gone forever, broken hearts gone, unfulfilled dreams non-existent. Listen, human suffering overpowered and conquered by the magnificence of God. That's the Father's house. And that's why we say, hang on, there's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. That leads us to the next thing we know about heaven. People in the Father's house receive a body set free from pain and defect. I want to tell you that the older I get, the more this is special to me. The Bible talks about no more pain. And, and I think about some of the things that I have endured, and, and, and everyone has their story, right? And, and, and 
that scripture teaches us about the Father's house in heaven, there's not going to be any pain like that. No physical pain, not even any emotional pain. There, there's no eyeglasses, you know, and there's no hearing aids. There's no crutches or walkers or wheelchairs. There's nothing like that in the Father's house. There's no paramedics or nursing homes or even hospitals. There's no CPR. There's no uh, aspirin. Accidents are, are, are over. Cancer disappears. Heart attacks banished. COVID-19 virus, a distant memory. There's a new day coming. Hang on. There's a new day coming. Live well. Love well. Stay engaged be aggressive, make good decisions, and hang on. Keep your eyes on the prize. There's a new day coming. By the way, the fact that people in heaven have new bodies tells us something else. It tells us that heaven is a real place. It's a, it's a physical place, not a spiritual one. And we can begin to understand as Jesus is sitting with his disciples in John chapter 14, knowing that they were just uh, devastated by the news of chapter 13. You know, I'm leaving. Uh, Judas, or, you know, one of the disciples is going to betray me. Uh, Peter, you're going to deny me. All of these things, their world came crashing down. It'll never be the same again. Jesus, coaches, listen, stay strong. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Let me talk to you about the Father's house. We understand and begin to understand how the disciples that were with Jesus that night were beginning to revive in their hope. We're beginning to be refocused in their thoughts on a better day coming. Jesus was simply talking to them about the Father's house. One other thing that is very clear about the Father's house is that it is a vast multicultural community centered on Christ. Now, the book of Revelation is the, the book of the vision of John the Apostle. And, and, and in John's vision, he sees this huge multitude. And he says it's from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of God's throne, worshiping Jesus. And get this, the fact that John could identify those he saw by their nationality and by their language tells us that people will still retain their individuality in heaven. Even though they have a new body, they are still recognized for who they are in this life. There's a difference, though. And the difference is this. In heaven, those marks of individual distinction no longer serve to divide people. And every barrier that separates will be swept away. Geography, race, age, culture, gender, level of education, financial status, height, weight, language, just to name a few. Every prejudice will be gone. Every bit of, of human conflict will be left behind. So, of course, their hope was being revived. So, of course, their, their, their attention, their thoughts were being steered back to a, a greater prize, the prize of, of one day resting in the presence of God's love, God's peace, and God's joy. What a day that will be. Listen, the next part of that verse <clears throat> talks to them about if I, if I go to prepare a place, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you to be with me. So Jesus tells them he's preparing for them a place, and then he assures them that he will return to get them. His promise to return is repeated over and over again through the Bible. One of my favorites is <clears throat> Acts chapter 1. Jesus had resurrected. He had spent 40 days speaking and intermixing you know, with people. And, and the day comes for him to ascend back into heaven. And so uh, 
uh, verse number 9, 10, and 11 talk about this of Acts chapter 1. There's some angels that appear, and they're there on the scene, and Jesus ascends up, and, 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 and the disciples, they're all looking up to heaven and trying to, what, what's going on? And the angels speak to the disciples and say, listen, you men of Galilee, why do you even stand here gazing up into heaven? Listen closely. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. What he is suggesting there is what Jesus said in John 14. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to get you and take you to be with me. Just real quick references here. Hebrews 9 verse 28, he will appear a second time. Revelation 1 verse 7, he is coming with the, the clouds Uh, Chapter 22 of uh, verse 7, I am coming soon. Verse 12, I am coming soon. Verse 20, yes, I am coming soon. Jesus promises a place. He promises to return. And then he gives us the ultimate promise that we will be with him where he is in his presence forever. It's not in your notes. There's a great verse, however, Psalm 16, verse 11, simply says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. What a place it's going to be that God is creating uh, for us as we stand strong and endure in faith. Here's Here's the next thing I want to tell you, the last thing actually, way back in John chapter 14, verse number six this time. There's a dialogue, actually. We go back to verse 4. You know the way I'm going. Thomas said, no, we don't know the way you're going. And then verse number 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus makes some statements about himself here that are important that we rehearse. He makes some statements about himself, and then he makes this conclusion based on those facts. Jesus uses the personal pronoun to emphasize himself And then in each of the statements, he uses the article to distinguish himself from all others. For instance, Jesus is not saying, I am a way. He's saying, I am the way. Jesus isn't saying, I am uh, a truth, but the truth. Not a life, but the life. And it is based on the exclusiveness of who he is that the conclusion is drawn. There is no other means by which to reach the Father. It is an absolute truth, friends, that no one comes to the Father except they come through Jesus. You either come to God through the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, or you don't come at all. You cannot be brought to him through the false gods of other religions. You cannot reach God through religious ritual. You cannot reach God through good works, no matter how diligent and pious you may be in performing them. You cannot come to God because of a religious heritage received you know, by your family or because you feel like, oh, of course I'm a Christian. I live in America. What? It's not the way it goes, you know. Well, so the question would be, how do we make sure that we wind up in heaven instead of hell? Because the same Bible that talks about this beautiful place the Father is preparing for us in the Father's house, you know, we know is heaven, also talks about the damnation of, of hell. How do we make sure we wind up in heaven instead of hell? One of my favorite writers and pastors, John Ortberg, he puts it this way. 
If we come to Christ on this earth, that's what we get in eternity. If we reject him on this earth, that's what we get in eternity. And he said that eternity is simply more of whatever you love on earth. That's what heaven is about. It's just really an increased opportunity and capacity for believers in Christ to do in eternity what they loved doing most here on earth. For instance, if you ask a vibrant Christian, what is it that you really love about being here on earth? They would say, well, you know, I love relating to God. I, I love knowing that he is near and feeling his presence throughout my day. I like the, the companionship that I feel as I walk through life. I like being able to pray and know that, that God listens. I like being used by God when he uses me to touch another life. I love giving him praise in worship. I love serving him. I love putting him first in my life. I love being with other believers. And so in eternity to those people, God would say, well, here's what you long for. Here's what you love most on earth. You'll now have an increased opportunity to do that forever in my presence, in the place that I'm preparing for you. As I said, it works the same way with, with hell. It's not just an increased opportunity and experience uh, something greater and beyond in the presence of God, but also what some people spend a lifetime attempting, attempting to experience on earth is unfortunately a life of separation from God. You know, the whole social distancing thing that we're, this coronavirus has forced us into, it's not very fun, you know, and sure we would agree on that. You may disagree on this, but I would suggest to you that as much as we are created for relationships and wired for connectivity with one another, it seems like we're not all that bad at social distancing. We be kind of good at it at times. But I want to suggest this to you. A lot of people spend their energy keeping God at a distance in their life. And they push God away. And they push the church away. And they, they push the Bible away. And, and, and they push other Christians away. And they push the, the tugs and whispers of the Holy Spirit away. And, and their whole life, they say, you know, get away. It's, it's a social distancing thing. It's a physical thing. It's a spiritual and mental and emotional distancing of all things away that are related to God. And so after 20 40, 60, 80, maybe years of diligently seeking and distancing yourself from God. God says, okay, have it your way. Have it your way. I'll give you an eternity of what you wanted so badly while you were here on earth. I'll give you distance. I'll give you an increased opportunity to do what you sought in this life infinite distance from me, total separation from me and my people forever. It's what you wanted in this life. It's what you'll get throughout all eternity. Have it your way. I want to suggest to you, friends, it doesn't have to be that way because the promise of Jesus says, hey, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, I will come back and take you to be where I am. Hang in there. A new day is coming. 
Things get rocky. Things get up and down and all around and twisty-turvy. Hang on. There's a better day coming. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. Come to me. Come to me in faith. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Listen, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you that ultimate rest and peace and joy and love. I want to challenge you to reflect upon your own life and look in the mirror, so to speak, and ask, you know, where are you at? Maybe you're joining us today, tuning in, and you would say, well, you know, I just really, I've never experienced God in my life. Like, I've never requested or sought him for forgiveness of my sins. I'm kind of, if I were honest, I'd have to say I've distanced myself from God and I would like to know God. I would like to understand forgiveness and experience his presence. If that's you today, I want to challenge you in faith. Approach him even at this moment. Say, dear God, the light has finally gone on. I know now I need Jesus in my life. I get it. I understand. Christ died for my sin and I need his precious blood to to wash over me. Grant me this beautiful gift of forgiveness. I want to challenge you to approach God in that way, even now, in this moment. Take Christ as your Savior. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are so grateful, Lord, for this place that you're preparing for us. We're so grateful, Father, that you love us, that you died on the cross We thank you, Father, for the forgiveness of sins. We pray, dear Father, that if there's anyone here that's joined in today that needs Jesus, that they would respond in faith to you right now and turn their life over to you so that they can know as well there's a new day coming. Father, we're grateful, Lord, that despite the fact that life goes up and down and all around, you know that we have a solid foundation in Jesus a solid rock, a refuge of strength. I'm thankful, dear God, that you've provided for us the beauty of your presence. So God, I pray that you'd give us strength, continued. Lord, what a, what a, what a, a nice uh, truth to understand, a, a, a confidence builder. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that as we go from this series into the next and learning and growing each day of our lives, I pray that our faith would hold, that we'd be steadfast, unmovable, keeping our eyes on Jesus. God bless those who respond in faith today. God bless those who are are maybe far from you that need to come closer. There was a time maybe when they walked with you, but Lord, whatever the situation is, God, again, we ask for our moms and dads and children, and we ask for our our country. We ask for healing in our world of this dreadful uh, pandemic. God, most of all, once again, We pray that you, as as you did with the disciples and as you want to do with us, Lord, rejuvenating our hope and refocusing our attention, that we would turn our eyes not on the temporal, but on the eternal. And once again, we honor and praise you for that. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Friend, if you're joining in with us today and you just 
during one of these moments uh, received Christ or you reached out in faith and said, Jesus, be my Savior. I want to say congratulations. We want to celebrate with you. And uh, there's a number on your screen. We'd love for you to, say, uh, to, to text the word SAVED to the number that you see on your screen. Uh, we just want to celebrate, as I said, and help you in any way we possibly can. Also, if you need prayer, the same number, uh, we'll pray with you. Again, doing whatever we can to help you along the journey of faith. And uh, there's also uh, what I mentioned earlier with the Connect card. Take a moment to fill it out. We'd love a record of your visit. Now listen, we have all kinds of reasons to hang on. We have, even in times of distress and uncertainty, hang on to your dreams, hang on to your marriages, hang on to your kids, hang on to your mind. There's a new day coming. Don't forget next week, we're starting a brand new series, Who is God? You'll want to join us for that three-week series. In the meantime, uh, be strong, stay engaged, keep your eyes on Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, this concludes our, our lesson today. We'll see you next week. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.